Welcome back to another episode of Excuse My Grandma. It's Kim and my co-host. Grandma Gail. So, Grandma, this week, I'm excited for everyone to hear because we actually have advice from a professional. Usually, we talk to a lot of people. We all love to talk about dating, including us. Like, what do we know what we're talking about? Absolutely nothing. That said, it's entertaining, I hope, to people. But this is actually somebody who has a background in behavioral science. She went to Harvard. She worked at Google. Uh, Her name is Logan Yuri, and she currently works at the dating app Hinge. I'm sure you guys have heard of her. Or if you haven't, she's really super bright, so you will hear about her. And she has all of these terms that she uses in her book, How to Not Die Alone. Very catchy title. She teaches us a lot about dating. And she comes on with her mother-in-law, Dr. Cindy. And it's very cute how Logan met her son, which you'll hear all about. They met um, basically on a bus, and Cindy met her husband, on a subway and you know we talk about this all the time like do people meet the old-fashioned way anymore logan only met her husband a few years ago so it proves that it doesn't always have to be over an app um grandma you took your own survey with your friends this week and you recorded that um conversation roundtable with your friends which is on our instagram and our tiktok at excuse my grandma if you guys want to check it out it's very cute and funny and you know that's not to knock people who are meeting over apps. You guys know that I'm a big proponent of apps. The guy I'm dating now slid into my Instagram DMs. So it's not to say that it's any less valuable. And by the way, a lot I saw that a lot of you guys were writing in being like, you just randomly said boyfriend in an episode. I am dating someone right now. So people meet in a different all different ways and well some meet on on these apps and some meet you know through whatever methods whether it be a bus or train or or a friend fix up it it is what it is and there are a lot of different ways of getting to the same end so on the episode with us today is logan yuri the author of the book how to not die alone which came out in february of this year she's also the director of relationship science at hinge the dating app and we're also joined by logan's mother-in-law therapist dr cindy mayer thank you guys for joining us thank you yes we're glad to be here happy to be here so let's start with where you're both from and your current relationship status well i'm live presently in Western Connecticut, but I am a long-term New Yorker. Uh, Grew up in Manhattan and lived there for most of my life. And uh, I'm married for 45 years. Wow. Good. That's so long. It's It's all right, I'm married 58. (laughs) That's also so long. That is really long. That is really long. I am from South Florida, Boca Raton, and I currently live in Oakland, right near San Francisco, and I have been married to Cindy's son for one year. Congratulations. You're a newlywed. So I want to hear the story about, Logan, how you met Cindy's son. <laughs> we can both <laughs> tell our versions of the yeah, story. That's good. We want to hear both of your versions. We were pretty involved. I was pretty involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I met my husband, Scott, when we were undergrads in college. And we met in 2007. And we know this because we became Facebook friends after that. So mm. we know it from Facebook. And we, I don't know if we ever spoke again until seven years later when I saw him on Tinder, but I swiped left, so I said no (laughs) to him. And then I had 
a lunch at Google for Harvard alumni who were working at Google, probably a secret, you know, find a husband <laughs> attempt. And I invited Scott because I, you know, invited all the people who were fellow alumni. And then he came and we really hit it off. But we didn't start dating until over a year after that. Oh, so you've known each other a long time. Yeah, we've known each other a long time and we've been dating a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cindy, what's your version of the story? <laughs> well, I was visiting Scott in San Francisco and we sort of ran out of things to do because he didn't <laughs> shop. And uh, we, he said, do you want to meet my friend Logan? He'd obviously gotten a text from Logan. So we went to a coffee shop, tea shop to meet Logan. And we spent about an hour and Logan invited us to the party she was going to. <laughs> And I wanted to go and he didn't. And when we said, after we said goodbye to Logan, I said, oh my God, she is fabulous and That's beautiful. Great. And I think she really likes you. <laughs> I definitely did. By the time I got off the plane at JFK, I got a text from Scott that said, Logan and I are dating. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So before that, you weren't exclusive then. Like, how no, long no, had we you been seeing each other? We had gone on one date, but we weren't. He definitely wasn't like, "Here's a girl I'm seeing." You know, he's oh wow, of, like here's a woman. But he used dating when he got that text. Right, no, no. no but but, but <laughs> when you met me, oh, I was a friend, and then friend. when you got home, we were dating. Right. Oh yeah, that makes sense because I think we met you like on a Saturday afternoon, and by the next Sunday. <laughs> That was fast. <laughs> so Logan, did you feel yeah, weird about this guy saying, come meet my mother? So no, no, on? I think I was like Jewish mom <laughs> right. in the back. Right. <laughs> no, it was great. I loved it. I loved. Mm. And also like, I think saying like, oh, my Jewish therapist mother, that's like very right. like, in my house. My <laughs> you know exactly what to expect. And when I got home, I was taking a, a writing class at the time. I wrote a story called How I Met My Daughter-in-Law. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, so you had, you had a feeling. I had a feeling. She, yeah. she, she knew. I could have been wrong. It was a good story anyway. I could have been wrong, but mm. I was. Yeah. You knew before Logan knew, maybe. Do you think it's, it's nice. very important to date somebody that your family is going to get along with? Or do you think that relationships maybe have a higher success rate when that's the case? In general, yes, because in-law problems make problems in a relationship. But sometimes like in my case we got along but we weren't close and that was fine mm -hmm. as long as everybody's uh, reasonably pleasant courteous and welcoming and pleasant yeah exactly. is that something that people bring up a lot like oh my mother-in-law is coming to town oh people bring up uh issues with each other's parents with their own mm -hmm. parents with each other's parents frequently yeah, I, yeah. I, I think many times the, the the guys always the girls are always resentful of the the husband's mother. That's a typical. Wait, why? But I don't know. That's a that's that's a very big deal. A, I think like a that's cliche. cliche. Yeah, it's a cliche, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. really like, usually uh, true. Like Mother-in-law jokes are kind yeah. of a thing. Monster-in-law, that movie. That's kind oh. of what that was, right? right. Oh, or she, or, I, but I think a lot, most families have have uh, you know the the daughter-in-laws always resent for some reason that of the mother-in-law under best of times even if you mind your own business so i know i don't feel like we have that at all but <laughs> no. it's for some of my friends who didn't have the best relationships with their mothers-in-law once they had kids they felt like they had all the power mm -hmm. right you know what i'm talking oh, about because it's like sure. you're controlling access to the to the grandkids so grandchildren. But yeah not, but not only that the focus changes to the baby 
that's and a good not point. so interested in what you're doing or what your husband's doing. Right. right. Interesting. So, and then Cindy, how did you meet your husband? In the subway. Uh, that's a New York story. It's a New York story. Uh, in Brooklyn Heights. I had just moved to Brooklyn Heights from Manhattan. Um, and I felt like I was in another country. <laughs> and we started talking on the platform. I was reading and I was in graduate school. And he said, oh, you're reading developmental psychology. The name of the book I was reading was The First Year of Life. He didn't say, oh, you're reading about babies. He said something <laughs> very um, scholarly. So we started to talk. And we did know somebody, it turned out we knew somebody in common, which sort of gave us a, a some sort of link. Link. That's the yes. How long did it take for you to figure that out? I'm not sure whether we figured it out on the subway, because I asked him something about where he went to college. He said Cambridge. A lot of Harvard, a lot of Harvard people in this group. In Cambridge. <laughs> right. And then we, I think he called me that night and somehow we, we made the, the connection to someone we had in common. It's so cute. So stories like that, I feel like are what give us a little bit of hope of Logan, you talk about this in your book, the meet cute romantic comedy moment that we all think we're kind of waiting for to just happen to us. I was, I was just going to say that it wouldn't happen today. We'd all be on our phones. Mm. Right. Well, that's the big be. problem. You wouldn't be looking, yeah. looking around I for think, a cute guy. I used to meet people on the subway, on the yeah. bus. Everybody's looking around. I think anymore. that's in my book. I think it says like, this is how my in-laws met, yeah. but that wouldn't have happened today because they would have that's had right. their headphones in. So mm-hmm. like, take off your headphones and look around. But yeah, I don't think, I really don't know the last time somebody told me they met someone on the subway, yeah. especially in COVID where it's like well, there's right. the social distancing and the germs mm-hmm. and the right. mask. This was a number that I calculated yesterday. I was just thinking about it. So if you're married for 50 years, the day you met is 0.00547945 of your entire relationship. So right. basically it's just this like extremely tiny percent of the time that you're together mm-hmm. yet people like so obsess over like you know did we meet in a romantic way did we have the meet cute mm-hmm. we have the subway story mm-hmm. or even i think scott and i have a pretty That's cute a good story, story. yes you're right but it's like if it happens great but it really doesn't have an impact on the success of the relationship mm-hmm. and it's such a oh, small percentage of like all this time that you're going to be together the other part of me is like first impression is everything, you know, like, is there some sort of thing in biology? I'm sure that the first time you see someone, you form all of these opinions about them. So in that, yes, it's such a small part in time-wise of your relationship, but I feel like it does mean something. Yeah. There's a lot of things in relationships that are like these kind of not old wives tales but like advice where it's like, but then they're contradictory. So it's like birds of a feather flock together opposites attract right um and or what are what are some of the other ones like you know your partner will complete you or you should be a complete person before you meet your partner and they're Mm -hmm. always in conflict so i think Mm -hmm. you know what you said is first impressions are everything and i kind of think the opposite which is a lot of times it takes time for love to develop Mm -hmm. there's research that says only 11 percent of people (laughs) in relationships uh, you know, experience love at first sight. And there's this scientific concept called the mirror exposure effect, which is that the more times you 
see or experience something, the more time you like it. So the first time you hear a song, you don't love it. But over time, you anticipate and like the song and you like it more. Or people end up dating somebody in their freshman hall or somebody who lives in their apartment building. It's like you see them over and over and they grow on you. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder familiarity breeds contempt i'm just thinking yeah about yeah. I, yeah i feel like i yeah. made when i was working yeah. on my book i was like what are all these questions right. that have opposite answers right. and like where do i fall sure. on that sure i think the opposites attract one is interesting mm-hmm. and are they really opposites I, yeah, I don't know if you're fine. completely opposite. I'm not sure that's that you can make a relationship really mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But I do think sometimes you complement one another. Uh, sure, but I think complete I think. opposites, uh, that's a hard one to, to make a relationship out of after a while. You're right. I would love to hear from both of you on why you, th- I mean, Logan, I guess first in your book, you say dating is harder now than ever before. Why is that? Yeah, in my book, I say dating is harder now than ever before because... Um, of the paradox of choice. We just have so many people to choose from. And I think people have a hard time with commitment in general. It's like, oh, I've been at a job for 18 months. I'm getting soft. I should switch jobs or I should switch apartments or cities. It's like everything's available to you and people are just having trouble committing. And so when you have hundreds or thousands of options, it's really hard to know, like, do I choose this person or do I keep swiping and choose someone else? And so I really think there's a lot of pressure to have a great relationship. People expect to have this epic partnership and it's just really hard to choose among all these options. Right. There's always somebody better just around the corner or just to swipe away. Mm. So Cindy, you agree that maybe dating when you were single was a little bit more simple in that way? Yes, I was thinking about that question because I've often thought that, especially for men, there is always the notion of another gorgeous girl around the corner. Maybe before the apps, people stayed too long because they were afraid this was the last person they were Mm. ever going to meet. I can remember feeling that myself. Right. Do you think that? Well, you know what? I I think we thought about relationships differently. We committed earlier. We either were going to stay with that person after, you know, college, certainly not. We're not talking about high school, but we're talking about post-college. If you, if you had a date, after a few times, if the well, I've often said, if the relationship wasn't going to end up with a ring on your finger, there was no point in continuing it. We weren't in it for for uh, for dating forever. So it was a different psychology. People people basically said, "I want to get married," especially from the woman the woman's point of view. And we saw the gentleman that you were dating as a possibility. If he wasn't, why why? prolong it so it was a different attitude you said you would give yourself like six months and if after six months you didn't get a ring you're like okay i'll date someone new well i really never even gave somebody six months what was your experience it was a different experience and we may be we may have be in different generations right well you were dating in the 50s no i was dating in the, the late 50s yes i was dating later and i remember when i graduated from college i went to a lot of weddings mm-hmm and I thought, I really need to get married. And by three <laughs> or four years later, the world had changed. Yeah, and there were yeah. articles about swinging singles. And right. That was the whole difference. Sexual right. revu- revolution. And I was good being single. Right. Yeah, I, I think that was the gen. We've discussed this many mm-hmm. times. That was yeah. the generational difference uh, that and the women who were married during that period 
oftentimes got divorced. Absolutely. Because they felt Absolutely. they had missed an entire part of their lives. And did um, you have friends like that? Um, I had a few friends like that. I had some older cousins who were who by the time the sexual revolution hit, mm -hmm. they had two children. Right. And they got divorced and And the women left the men. The women uh, because left because I my seven friends that I really started out with yeah. uh, all got divorced. We're the only ones still remaining of that That's original really seven. Yeah, because and the women all left. There was no such thing. The men were not cheating on their wives or anything like that. It all was about the women, and they felt they had been left out of an entire sexual revolution and Did it they really get remarried like what happened to those women um most of them yes they got remarried but much later in life they all had children they all had at least they most of them i'm thinking about it one had one but most of them had two and uh at that point by later in life do you mean 30s yeah well we were just we were all married in our early 20s right so uh, by the time uh 63 so yeah about eight years into the marriage they were all that seven year itch coincided with the uh, feminist activities right. in it's, a, it's it, the the times changed times yeah. changed and and women yeah. felt that they had missed out and whatever and but they all happily had a second life many took a career and 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 raised their children they were financially able to do it and uh they were lucky and we lived in new york and it makes new york was a very easy place to transition you weren't That's in a suburb you were in a city and um, there were always places where they could put kids into childcare or, or, or whatever. They had families that were relatively close and they helped out, but uh, they did, it was really, a, there was a definite change. Now you girls don't have that. I mean, that's a whole different thing. And right, we certainly right. didn't have a phone, but we, <laughs> but that that's for sure. But uh, I think commitment still matters. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you're, when you're going out, even if you're going on, hinge or whatever mm -hmm. you have to make a commitment at some point where i have to stop swiping right well when i was living with you during the pandemic grandma uh i kept going on date after date and after date and you'd be like you've been on 10 dates with this guy he seems nice why aren't you boyfriend and girlfriend right. and i would be like well i have all these other people to keep on dating like and i think in that way i'm like the maximizer which is one of the dating tendencies you talk about in your book logan have to introduce for Logan's those who book. yeah for those who don't know in in how to not die alone can you explain the like three dating tendencies please sure yeah absolutely so yes in seeing dating coaching clients i found that there are certain things that they all have in common and it's basically unrealistic expectations and so i've categorized them into this framework called the three dating tendencies so the first one that i talk about is the romanticizer and this is the person who has unrealistic expectations of relationships. So this might sound like, you know, we were talking about the we met, you know, I know I'm going to meet my soulmate. I'll know it when I see it. He's going to look a certain way. We're going to reach for the same avocado at Whole Foods at the same time. <laughs> and it's a very specific story. The person's going to look a specific way. And it's like, when I meet my soulmate, everything will be easy. And if it's hard, then this must not be my person. And then the second one that you're just referring to is the maximizer. And the maximizer has unrealistic expectations of their partner. So they say, you know, I like my girlfriend, but could she be 5% hotter or 10% more ambitious or 12% more interesting, whatever it is. And they're always <laughs> like, is there somebody better out there? And couldn't I just take the best parts of all my exes and put them together? And I'm going to wait until I find that person. And then the third one, which has become very popular in the pandemic is the hesitator 
and they have unrealistic expectations of themselves. So they think, I'm not lovable yet. I'm not ready to date. I'll be ready to date when I lose 10 pounds, when I clean up my apartment, when I get a more impressive job, whatever it is. And they're waiting to date, thinking that they can't put themselves out there yet. When in reality, no one's ever 100% ready to date. And you just have to put yourself out there and get better and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I took the quiz, I got that I, I scored highly both on romanticizer and maximizer, which I totally think is true. I'm sure that is true. Um, but I would love to know what you all are. I don't think I even fit into any of those categories. Maybe Logan can help you Maybe. figure it out. Because <laughs> no, I. You know what? I was I was a um, a person that I knew the, what the prize was, and I didn't. I I liked my husband to be. It wasn't mad, exciting love affair because we didn't have an affair. There was no sex involved, so that came much later. <laughs> and the truth is, I said, you know what? He can make a good living. He's nice looking. He comes from a good family. We have same values. This is it. Let's let's call it a day. But that was a very naive moment. I mean, I was twenty one in nine in the in the early sixties, and that's the way it was. But I, I'm not sure I could fit into a category because my mother no, told I me you got to be right. smart. Yeah, I think you're right because remember, this isn't everyone in the world is one of right. these. It's you know, people who are struggling with dating, which I, right. I think like that's more not. prevalent today than what we have. Yeah, really. and. The other thing is, so there's this concept called the maximizer versus the satisficer. And I explain what the maximizer is. So the opposite is the satisficer. And the satisficer looks at the world and they say, I have to make a decision. Okay, Okay. what matters to me? And so for you, you said, good family, good looking, can make a living. I like him enough. And then you said, he hits all the marks. I'm going to commit to him. And And that's great. And satisficers tend to be much happier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens with arranged marriages too. And so satisficers in general tend to be happier than maximizers because maximizers are worried about being right. And satisficers are worried about being happy. And it's much more important to feel good about your decision than to feel like, oh, I made the exact 100% perfect decision. Mm -hmm. Because nothing is perfect. (laughs) Right. I think sometimes people um, confuse anxiety with passion Mm -hmm. and if they're if they feel like this might be the last time i see this guy and they can hardly breathe and they're waiting for a phone call that doesn't happen but if you're sitting at home waiting for a phone call they feel like that must be love right it's not guys only yeah if he's almost if he's one foot out the door all the time Mm. so when they meet someone who's really interested in them and consistent and reliable they often feel like it's not, yeah. real. it's not love. I heard something that was like, when you feel butterflies, those are actually alarm bells. Yeah, right. that's right. Uh, and you're like, this good. person well makes put. you feel nervous. Well yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I've talked about that before and you've seen me go through experiences right. like yes. that. Sometimes the relationship, you, you get into something and you don't realize that the guy is destructive. Not that he's mean or bad, but that he's just not relationship material. That's a hard thing for you to dis, uh, to figure out, I think, at this moment, because you, you're a great young girl, well-educated, mm-hmm. you're out there, and it's very hard. The guys now are very slippery. They've got lots of personalities <laughs> out there. I, I don't trust a lot of them myself. I think some of the guys you went out, you go out with are not really, they, they don't really want to go out with, they're just looking for something to do. I, I really think they, they're filling time until they find well, they out where friends. they are in life. 
they don't have friends. I think yes, that's they don't that's go out with their friends. The way, correct. The way women. That Cindy, that's exactly correct. And I think that's a lot of these guys want a girl to fill in for their male friends that they're lacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they used to have maybe in college and it's disappeared now or whatever, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, women always have friends. So it's a little different. Right. So if you feel then butterflies, let's say first or second meeting, how do you know it's not anxiety and that it's actually like a connection? Um, people talk about like the spark, right? Well, time will tell. I mean, it's, <laughs> I can't think of, a, of another answer mm-hmm. because, um, there's a certain amount of butterflies in the beginning every in every relationship right whether it's anxiety or excitement or mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing someone there are some butterflies mm-hmm. but if that's the main event over time will he call me what time will he call me then it's probably not destructive mm-hmm. yeah. and then i guess you have to realize that and we're well, supposed to learn from each date <laughs> each partner, you're not supposed to constantly repeat the same mess each time. So it would be good to now de- develop different types of dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you see yourself attracted to the same person, then you got to go see Cindy, wherever her office is. <laughs> so Logan, you have the chapter, fuck the spark. So does that, should we not believe in the spark at all? Like, does the spark not exist or is it more just slow burn turns into a spark yeah so i definitely do think the spark exists but i think when people are when people think oh i must feel the spark in order for this to be a good match that's really where it's problematic Mm -hmm. and so the origin of the fuck the spark chapter is that i had all these dating coaching clients who would come sit on my couch and say Logan, I met up with this guy. He was great. We had a really good conversation. It was really fun. We had a lot of stuff in common. And I'm not going to see him again. (laughs) I would say, what are you talking about? And they would say, I just didn't feel the spark. And so the spark has become this all-encompassing word that means, you know, instant fireworks, chemistry, Uh, butterflies, unicorns, all of that. And people just expect that it's going to be like that moment from the movies. And when they don't feel that, they think, must not be my person. And so in the book, I debunk three myths of the spark. And the first one is that the spark can't grow over time. And that's totally not true, right? I was saying in my situation, Scott and I knew each other for seven or eight years before we started dating. And the connection grew over time as we got to know each other. And the second myth is that if you feel the spark, it must be a good thing. And we just talked about that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's anxiety. Does he like me? Is he going to call me? Am I good enough for him? Is he interested or not? And that kind of those questions, which become obsessive, make us feel like we're so interested when we're really very anxious. And some people are just very sparky. Like, (laughs) I bet you have patients who come to you and say, oh, I met this guy and I felt all these things. And it's like, Maybe he's just really hot or really charismatic and he gives that spark to everyone. Or narcissistic. Yeah, narcissistic. Yeah. And I bet, you know, I think like celebrity men in general, it's like every time, yeah, every time somebody meets Bill Clinton. Yeah. Or uh, George Clooney. Right. It's like, oh, I'm the only person in the room. It's like, yeah, that person does that to everyone. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is that if you feel a spark, then the relationship is viable. That's also not true. You can have a spark, but 
is it going to last? And so a lot of couples stay together because they had such a fiery opening and they think, you know, we met when we were both teaching abroad in South Korea and we're meant to be together. And it's like, no, maybe you're meant to have a love affair. Sure. But doesn't mean that because you felt it, you it's written in the stars that you mm-hmm. should be together. We have to debunk these myths and basically say to someone like, it's not that you're looking for the spark and it either comes at the beginning or later. It's that if you want to have a marriage, you know, like Cindy or like Gail, it's about mutual appreciation and respect and um, and occasional sparks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I th- yeah, very occasional, sure. but they, they there's a spark. We have, we don't have to live for yeah. that. Spark. I, I think the word can mean a lot of different things, but right. this feeling of love at first sight doesn't automatically happen. That's right. There's it's made a reason, up. I mean, there's that's made up in Hollywood. Yeah, that's a Doris that, Day movie. <laughs> Arranged marriages overtake Mm -hmm. what's known as love marriages after the three or four year mark in terms of happiness because it's an arranged marriage. And obviously there's pros and cons because you say, I'm with this person. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to see their good qualities. Your brain convinces you it's good versus if you're waiting around to suddenly have that feeling, you might be missing out on a lot of great people. Mm -hmm. It's like that song from Fiddler on the Roof that we all know, right? After 25 years, there's love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. Oh, that's oh, such that's, a cute song. No, it's but it's very meaningful. It, it, it's very true. Meaningful. You 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 build up a relationship over years, mm-hmm. and it's it's not it's not wild passionate, but it's love. It's respect. It's a whole group of things. Is there a percentage on your? I know you work for Hinge, and we talk about dating constantly. It, We've swiped I, through Hinge together before. Yeah. Well, she showed me how yeah. to do that. I I have no. I left and right, and I was all mixed up, up and down. But um. Uh, is there a is there statistics on relationships that have been successful from uh, from these uh, from hinge dating are there you know is it is it more than 50% of people hook up on hinge and not hook up i shouldn't say that that's not even the right word get together uh and have eventual marriages i'm so you're learning with though you remember I'm, what a, a hooking I, up i remember and... but i'm so nervous with all these terms i am never correct <laughs> but is there a percentage that you know go, tells you how these things are working Yeah, yeah, there's a couple things I can point to. So one is there's some research from this guy, Michael J. Rosenfeld at Stanford, who for the last, I think at least since 2009, has been measuring how couples meet. Mm -hmm. And so in around 2017, 2018, meeting online became the number one way that people meet. It overtook meeting through friends and family, Mm -hmm. meeting at bars and restaurants, meeting at work. And so just nationally, the most couples are meeting online. Hinge is very focused on relationships. The tagline is designed to be deleted, which is basically like, we're not here to have you go on tons of first dates or hook up. We're here to have you go on some really good dates that turn into relationship and then you go off of Hinge. What advice, I guess, do both of you have to people who may not find luck or success on these apps? Sometimes I swipe through my guy friend's phones just to see and they're like, I would not, we go through a hundred people and I don't even think it's pickiness. He's like, these are, none of these people are people that I could see myself connected with either for superficial reasons or whatever else it may be. Sometimes does the algorithm just like do you dirty or how, how, how come some people can love hinge and some people might not. If they look at a hundred pictures and they mm-hmm. can't find one, mm-hmm. I think something's wrong. <laughs> them. Yeah. They have too high expectations. Mm -hmm. It's going back to that same thing. People have to say, 
I, I'm not settling. It's not a word. The settling is not the right mm-hmm. word. It's looking for something that's r- realistic. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, you can't go out with, um, like you said, George Clooney. You're not going out with George Clooney. He's not looking for you. He's got an L or what's her name? Amal. Amal. See, that's, that's the whole thing. I think that's where the expectation goes for the man and the woman. They really uh-huh. don't see themselves. And until they really see themselves realistically, they can't really find a mate. So I, I, I wouldn't matter how many times they swipe. You said that on your Instagram. No one's perfect and neither are you. Oh, oh yeah. that's very good, Logan. That's <laughs> I like when you quote very my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, Logan, what do you think the biggest mistakes people make on their dating app profiles? Oh, um, yeah, on their profiles, I think one thing that people do is they are like, okay, I'm finally downloading Hinge. Like, I just want to get to my matches. And so then they rush through the sign up and they're like, what are the last six photos on my phone? I'll just upload those. And one word answers or, you know, instead of writing something thoughtful, they say, check out my Instagram. And so I think the first mistake people make is just not putting enough effort in when, you know, going back to first impressions, first impressions on an app do really matter. That's what people are judging you based on. And so you really want to spend time on your profile the first time and over time making it better. And so you want pictures that have variety, right? I saw a guy's profile recently where it was six photos of him taking selfie in front of monuments in Europe wearing the same glasses. (laughs) I was like, went on a Euro trip, but the selfies aren't flattering. You're wearing the same thing. It looks like you don't have any friends because it's just you taking pictures. And I was like, you can have one picture from that, but I want to see a picture of, you know, you in maybe a formal outfit, you doing an activity you love, you know, a clear headshot of your face without filters, without sunglasses. And so you want to tell a story with your profile. You want variety. You want your pictures to be flattering, excuse me, flattering, but accurate. I had a client recently who was like, I went on a date with this girl and she just totally didn't look like her pictures. And she, as he said, knew her angles, which like, I totally knew what he meant. Like she knew how to pose in a certain way, but you don't want that. You don't want to show up on a date and have the person be like, oh, I'm disappointed. You want it to be you on your best day, but not you on your best day 10 years ago. (laughs) Right. Right. Although like, of course you're going to post your best angles, right? No one's going to say, here's an unattractive picture of me. So I kind of see the other side too. It's the same thing with social media. You're putting your best foot forward a lot of the time and showing people that version of yourself. And I think just as the viewer, we have to be smart and be like, I know this isn't the whole person. I'm switching gears a little bit. Cindy, with your clients, have you seen that the pandemic has made people more interested in having a serious relationship or having a partner, you know, to oh, settle down with during this time or less interested? Yes. yes. And and sometimes it, it is a settling down that would not have happened under other circumstances. Mm. Logan, does Hinge data kind of support that, the move away from hookup culture and toward monogamy? Yeah. So Hinge in general is more of the relationship app. So like people come to Hinge when they're ready to find someone. But in terms of trends over the last 18 months, we found that a lot of people spent the early months of the pandemic alone and they were, you know, didn't have the distractions of weddings and networking and happy hours. And they were just sitting there and yeah, they became more intentional about who they are, what they want, what kind of relationship they want to be in. So we're really seeing people who got serious about like, 
okay, I keep dating this kind of guy who's not interested in me and I chase him, I'm going to break that habit. And instead, I'm going to block my ex and I'm going to try this new thing. And so we really saw this rise of intentionality, people becoming more thoughtful. And then we also saw people valuing relationships more, saying, I want someone there for the next pandemic. And so there's this intentionality plus this motivation. And so we called this summer the relationship renaissance because Mm -hmm. so many people were really ready to meet someone and... I think it wasn't about shock girl summer or hookup culture. It was saying like, I'm really ready to find my person. We love to kind of end the episodes with advice that we've gotten from our grandparents. If you, if either of you ever received something about love or relationships from either a grandparent or parent that our viewers may enjoy. My mother said always put on lipstick, but I didn't listen. <laughs> Are you wearing lipstick right yeah, now? I am now, but yes. I know I only put it on once a day. <laughs> you reapply a lot. I always do. Yes. If I go out, you have to put on a face. You can't go out. Yeah. And you always get caught if you don't. My mother used to say, if you're going to find somebody that's going to see you without your makeup on, that's going to be the worst. So you just when you leave in the morning, be prepared. My attitude as well. I was, I was more rebellious than that, but that was my mother's attitude as well. I'm thinking about like some of those cliches. It's not really what my parents said, but you know, don't go to sleep angry. Right. Or, right. Well, that's true, though. That's yeah, true. But though. then I also I feel the opposite. I feel kind of like I'm sometimes at the end of the day I'm tired and like yeah. let's deal with this in the morning. Right, leave me alone. Yeah, I would say I think the best advice I've gotten from family about relationships is my aunt who talked about uh, the it's a Hebrew word of kavana, which is intention. So it's how you know you have a busy day at work and you're in a crazy mood and you come home and you can either enter your house in that mood and be like this went wrong and that went wrong and i couldn't find parking and i got a ticket or you take a step and you say how Mm -hmm. do i want to greet my partner what energy do i want to bring in um how do i how will the way i'm acting impact that person and just taking that breath or that moment to Mm -hmm. really think about like what impact do i want to have how do i want to show up and then shifting your behavior you know, it's interesting. That's exactly for a good marriage. The only adv- you have to leave the office outside the door. Yeah. You walk in, you have a family, you have children, or if you don't have children, you still have to have the relationship together. Leave the troubles. But at the I kind of disagree. Sometimes you want to talk to your partner about the things you're going through. Well, maybe work. not the minute th- that you've walked in the door. I think you should have dinner, settle down mm. and 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 have and ha- ask each other what their day was, and then maybe it'll come out and ask their opinion about it. But I think you have to somehow separate work from your relationship. Otherwise, it all gets too blurry and you you don't really spend enough time worrying about each other. I think that's my opinion. I think the most important thing in a relationship, not only from my own experience, but from my client's relationship is acceptance. Mm. Now they call it radical acceptance, but acceptance of one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciation and acceptance of who the other person is it doesn't work if you're trying to change somebody yeah mm-hmm. and on that note cindy did you ever give your son any love or dating advice that logan maybe you can attest if you took it or not oh yeah no i want i don't know the answer to this uh, uh, no he never asked me for any <laughs> <laughs> he knew right away he had a good thing <laughs> well he did bring me to you he did so he did. that was a form of yep. implicit yep yep that's advice. right that's right if you want to tell well, our listeners like how to find both of you, maybe we can end that. 
that way? Well, right now I'm working at home. I'm working remotely, and I all, but my office in Westport, Connecticut, is will be open very very shortly. My office in New York is not, but I'm accepting clients from all over remotely. How do they find you? They find me. Uh, you can look on Psychology Today. Cynthia Mayer, PhD. Okay. And Logan, what about you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Logan Yuri. If they're interested in coaching, they can go to loganyuri.com and they can take that three tendencies quiz on my website. It's loganyuri.com slash quiz. And then my book is available most major retailers, Amazon, and I also read the audiobook. We loved talking to Logan and her mother-in-law, Dr. Cindy Mayer. Okay, let's move on to our 1950s movie of the week. We were thinking about cute ways that people have met. As you guys heard, Logan met her husband on a bus. Cindy met her husband on a subway. And in this movie, they met on a boat. But not any boat. Not any boat. They were running away, I think, from the from the Germans. African Queen. That was 1951. Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. It is a classic and you know how to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at Excuse My Grandma. DM us our questions or you can email your questions. Um, that's questions at excusemygrandma.com. Also, we do a email listserv every week telling you guys about the new episode that comes out. If you want to be added to that, please ask me on Instagram. Give me your email and I'll add you. And we will see you next week. <laughs>